Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to the season one finality. Uh, finality. Wow. <laughs> screwed that whole thing up. Great start. Well, we started on a misspoken word and we end on a misspoken word. This is the season one finale of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and we've made it to episode 100, which will end our first season of the show. But as we told you already, we're coming back for season two, like, immediately, so there's not, like, a whole... We don't get vacation or anything. Don't worry about that. We'll be back for season two, and we got some big and better things planned for you guys in season two. But right now, we got to get out of season one, and to help me take us home today, Matthew Aguilar is still raising his baby girl, so he can't be here, but uh, we want to say thank you to him for everything he did to help keep this show alive and so uh, we hope he's enjoying what he's doing, and we look forward to having him back in season two. So we got a great expert crew to help me bring season one home. We have queen of anime herself, Megan Peters. I'm back. Queen of wrestling, Connor Casey. All hail. <laughs> That's a callback. That's a deep callback for, for that thing Connor once said about Matt. You guys got to go back in the stacks of season one and figure that out. You got to start from the beginning and listen to the whole thing. Yeah, but that, that's, a, that's a deep cut callback. And over in the corner, holding us down again, Mr. Charlie Ridgely is back, largely because you people demanded it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Also, because when the camera's on him over there, you can see his sweet laptop stickers. Oh, yeah, there I, you I go. Do have a lot of sweet laptop stickers. Yeah, I and do there you go. My laptop stickers. If you're watching the video, that is, go look up the video. We're not <laughs> sponsored by any of those guys. Nope. No, 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 no. They're just nope. Just nope. for fun. Nope. <laughs> Nobody. None of those people are bringing money to this show, but it's okay. They get some free advertising. It's the finale. We're 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 Generous. keeping it loose. <laughs> so today, what we're going to talk about is a smattering of things in every direction. We are going to talk about some big Marvel news that dropped, a nice little kind of piece of Ghostbusters trivia that we can put to rest that'll make everybody feel better. We got some Star Wars to talk about, and we have a bunch of reviews to do. We got a new movie to review, Guy Ritchie's latest, The Gentleman, which me and Charlie checked out. Megan has a whole lot of anime to basically a state of the anime union to drop on us. And Connor is going to give you guys a preview of WWE's Royal Rumble which is coming up this weekend. And Matt snuck in some comic reviews, so I'm going to give that to you. Everybody's firing on all cylinders of their expertise, and we're going to bring it to you just so we can show any newcomers why they should be ready for season two of this show. So we got to move fast, so let's jump right in. Right at the top, the first thing we're going to talk about is over in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I had to go see The Gentleman with Charlie last night, and apparently, like, as soon as I took my eyes off the computer screen, things got a lot more interesting than they were yesterday. We got our first real deets about 
Captain Marvel 2, which I don't think any of us were expecting to come. No. Like right now. I mean, we have, Marvel has so many things going on with Black Widow, Eternals, and getting Shang-Chi, getting that all off the ground. But we got some news about Captain Marvel 2. And uh, it's sad that Matt's not here to to talk about this. That's his jam. But yeah, uh, but I'm in Matt's seat, and I yeah. am just as big of a that freak is true. Megan, Megan is probably the next biggest Captain Marvel fan, or if not bigger than like, or well, there doesn't need yeah. to be. This isn't Matt, the Hunger Games. Matt There's and not division. I rule equally. Yeah, equally. There's an equal. <laughs> he's the king. You're the queen. Like of Captain Marvel as well as anime. So uh, we got some news about Captain Marvel too. What we learned is. Behind the scenes, the directors of Captain Marvel are not coming back. So there's that. They 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 really did a real uh, phase one type uh, type type deal with this, right? You got somebody to launch this character, get her off the ground, and then you get Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck out of there. And we're gonna get a new director. It sounds like Marvel's looking for a new female director to take over Captain Marvel too. So that was kind of interesting. That shake up behind the scenes. But in front of the camera, there's some interesting details we got about what Captain Marvel will be, or Captain Marvel 2 will be. First of all, it will be set in the present day MCU, meaning after Endgame's five-year gap, the, the now. Um, and this was a big question we had after Captain Marvel 1, right? Because spoilers for that movie that came out like a year ago, but <laughs> it ended with her kind of in the 1990s going back into space and leading this kind of group of scroll exiles back to find a new home world and going to the reaches of deep space where we know she remains all throughout the 90s, 2000s, and most of the 2010s till she shows back up on Earth after the Thanos snap to help fight, you know, the endgame. And even then she goes back into space only to show up at the end of endgame to help, you know, the final battle against Thanos and his army. So there was this big question about the Captain Marvel franchise because because of the way it did this almost like retcon origin story about, you know, the first, there's always another first, first Avenger or Marvel hero, but her kind of superhero debut in the 90s, why it wasn't ever part of the story really um, is because she, of course, left and, and went off world and only Fury really knew. So there was all this room for, the, for, for that franchise to kind of continue in the 1990s era, fill in the gap of all those years Carol was in space. And we wondered if it would do that, if it would be in present day, or if we could get, and this is still, of course, a possibility, a present day story that has ties to things that happened in the past and kind of moves between both eras. So right now we know that it's going to be set in present day, and that's pretty much what we got. But that's it. <laughs> that's it. I mean, so, I think that I think that idea works great. I think Marvel's found a really good way of intermeshing like present day storytelling with like past events. I mean, if you I mean, you can even I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but like Black Widow to a degree, like the, the narrative frame of it was like kind of taking place in a present day thing before Endgame. Um, but it's dealing with things that happened in the past with the Red Room and everything about Natasha's past. So that being that frame works really well and not just like Marvel movies, but like every movie that does it try to execute it well? So I'd be very curious to see. I really want to see Carol in space because the only team that we've really seen thrive intergalactically has been the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and I'm very interested to see how Carol Carol does. And I want to know what happened to that ship of uh scrolls. Well, and I think that I think that we're set up really well for that kind of story. Um in present day. I mean, they've already this, this, the Spider-Man Far From Home post-credit scene really like kicks that in, into gear because uh, you've got Nick Fury in space watching over everything, seemingly 
that's sword. We we kind of all assume a little bit that that's sword. Um, and so you have that storyline available with Nick Fury already there working with scrolls and like that's her BFF, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, the kind of the stage is set for that. So I think we can expect, I mean, again, we have no knowledge of this. this is all, you know, guessing at this point, but I think we can expect to see Samuel Jackson in that movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't have to pay for the de-aging this time. So, <laughs> uh, he can just kind of be in space and chill in. Yeah. I'm actually kind of relieved that it's not nineties this time because, mm-hmm. You know, I'm on record as being kind of lukewarm about the first movie, and one of the things I didn't care for was all of the 90s references that felt obligatory that they need to be thrown in. Oh, she fell into a blockbuster. Go check out that phone at the Radio Shack. Let's play some No Doubt during this final fight scene. I didn't care about any of that. <laughs> oh, that No Doubt, that No Doubt Neil drop yeah. was so that good. No I doubt. did like that I'm No Doubt. That was that was a good so use of well I'm just timed. a girl. Yeah. Oh man, that was that was a good time. I didn't mind that. Um, but I get what you're saying. It was very ham-fisted. Like this is the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember this is the nineties made? He looks Sam Jackson looks he's like he was just out of Pulp Fiction. Here's Clark Gregg looking young with a weird haircut. Like they yeah. just they just kept throwing things yeah. at you to remind you, hey, this is what time it is. It's not now. And it was necessary for that movie, but it's not necessary for this. Yeah. And knowing Marvel Studios, you could you could fill in the nineties era of mm-hmm. her space adventures mm-hmm. with another well, I, and, and I, yeah. I think that I think that this that this will have to do with because I, I, the debate that you were talking about, Kofi, when after the first movie came out was what does the sequel do? Because does the sequel fill in the gaps between Captain Marvel 1 and when she returns in Infinity War in these other worlds? Or do we see her post-Endgame? And now that we're going to see her post-Endgame, I think there's opportunity, like you're talking about, Megan, to kind of reach back, but not to what we saw before, to something that happened that she dealt with in that time that we don't know about. And yeah. then coming back to to haunt her post-Thanos. And, and yeah. you know, I think there's there's so much room for yeah. story there. Yeah. It would feel very regressive if it was set in the right. 90s. I mean, she's I had so much character growth in these and now last she's got two awesome films. And you can't get rid of that. Yeah, you can't do that. Like, there's that's, no that's way you not go back acceptable. on that now. Plus, you don't want to get into the hole that Star Wars falls into where we got to keep filling the gaps in between other important events and keep yeah. going back. We got to move forward with yeah. all these stories. Yeah, let's create our own canons. I mean, if you really need to fill it out, go to Archive of Our Own and read some fan fiction. Sure. I'm sure someone's written something about Carol's space adventures with the Van of Scrolls. It's happened. I'm sure of it. So I'm excited. I think it's really going to push her character forward. Give, you know, Carol time to grow. And if I can get me some sweet Monica. Yeah, we're going to get it. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. The final part of Give me Monica back. (laughs) I mean, we got more details. The last two details we got are that the writer of WandaVision is going to be writing Captain Marvel 2. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of a big deal. Uh, and that writer's name is, I, oh my God, Megan McDonald. So Megan McDonald, who's writing WandaVision for the Disney mm. Plus series, will be writing Captain Marvel 2. And that was significant because, as Megan just alluded, uh, Monica Rambo, who's been known as Photon, her own version of Captain Marvel and all those other names in the Marvel Universe. Uh, she was introduced in the first film as, as you know, Lashana Lynch's, I forget her name, uh, what's, what's the older Rambo's name? Maria. Oh, Maria, 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 Maria and Monica. No wonder I get this confused. Although I did say Rupert Wyatt was in Captain America the Winter Soldier all throughout last episode instead of Wyatt Russell. So I'm really doing good on Marvel names right now. <laughs> There's um, so many at this yeah, point. Yeah, there are too many. But so Monica Rambo was a kid in Captain Marvel. She'll be fully grown at this time. And we knew that WandaVision was going to introduce her. And we all were kind of like, Rrr, when that happened, because we we're like, that's such a random place for Monica Rambo to make her debut. Um, and, and 
do this, and they've already cast the actress. I forget her name. I forget who it is right off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, we were just kind of like, what does that mean? And now it kind of makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. because Monica Rambeau will be showing up in Captain Marvel 2 uh, after being introduced. And, and WandaVision just keeps being this becoming more and more this pivotal piece of mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4 launch pad. Like, we're Absolutely. all, like, looking hard at Black Widow and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it's like, WandaVision's gonna now feed directly into Doctor Strange yeah, and the Multiverse of Madness and apparently right into Captain Marvel, too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I Tiona feel Paris, like they looked real at quick, it. Sorry, Tiona Paris is the name of the actress playing oh, Monica yeah. Rambeau in thank WandaVision. Thank you. There we go. Oh, okay. We got Charlie as fact-checking. Yeah, thank you. Hold I will down. say, like, Disney and Marvel Studios were probably looking at WandaVision. They were like, we know it's gonna be okay, but the name's kind of weird, so we gotta get people to watch this for some reason. Let's make it the one you need to watch before, yeah. before Doctor Strange sequel and Captain Marvel. So I'm 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 really excited to see how this shakes out. Me too. So, all right, moving right along from Captain Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe over to the Ghostbusters universe. <laughs> what is this? Matt's writing something. Matt's else. literally literally writing see. something into the show notes as we're sitting here. Yeah, Matt. Well, note. No, it does not. And not really sure where that theory come from came from. Also, trolls who don't like Larson are just finding another. Oh, he's talking about uh, our article was called yeah. Will Monica Ramblo replace Captain Marvel in the sequel? Yeah. And Matt has just apparently seen our show notes and is like, we have an active Google document yeah. so we can see like in real time <laughs> he's when, when things are being written. And he's just like, we see this phantom thing just writing right now and yeah. he is going in he's, about the idea oh, that he's Monica, yo, he's fired up. He paused. We'll, we'll come back and circle Matt, with his you're on notes. the show though. You don't yeah. know it, buddy. You're but, literally uh, on reading the show. you get this angry, angry <laughs> typing you're getting out. Uh, yeah, he's furious. So yeah, we're going to circle back to those comments because those need to be seen. Oh, uh, What does he say? Okay, so here's what he says about M- Monica Rambeau replacing Captain Marvel. Not sure where that theory came from, aside from trolls who just don't like Larson or Cap. <laughs> 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 wow. Okay, so moving yeah. right along now. He comes in to defend Captain Marvel. Yeah. Even, when- <laughs> even when he's not here. So yeah. good for that man. Applaud that man. All right, so moving right along from uh, ghost writing about Captain Marvel to actual ghosts. Uh, we got an update on uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. We're not going to take too much time on this because we were kind of divided. This caused a lot of division in the show, but we got the final confirmation we've been waiting for. We knew the original Ghostbusters are coming back. Dan Aykroyd's coming back. Um, like Ernie Hudson. Hudson's coming back. I can't believe I blanked on Ernie. Eddie I'm Murphy. doing really bad on names. <laughs> God, I used to be so good at this. Oh, man, 100 episodes has wiped me out. But Ernie Hudson's coming back. Dan Aykroyd's coming back. You know... Uh, we can't have uh, what's his name back because he's passed away. Sadly, Harold, Harold Ramis and Harold Rick Ramis. Moranis are the only two original stars. Oh, God, I'm, not I'm coming just back. bombing this. Moranis quit. Look, acting. the point is Bill Murray's coming yes, back. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> the exactly. Point. Okay, we've yeah. confirmed Bill Murray is going to be in Ghostbusters Afterlife. We all suspected it was going to happen. We didn't have any final confirmation. It's been confirmed now. So we're going to get Bill Murray in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which makes me want to see this movie 10 times more than the 0% I want to see it now. So <laughs> now up so 10 times zero yeah. is still zero. I'm yeah. at like a solid. I know that, but in movie talk, it's 10% now. Yeah. We've added just a 10% to this. I'm, I'm sitting with Kofi on this one. He, he was in the 2016 one, and that didn't stop that movie from being a mess. Okay, so. the 2016 Ghostbusters is really fun. Are we really having yeah, this? I mean, really we're funny. not going to get into this. We're we're gonna gonna move on. That's just a side note. Yeah, you're, you're, he, he, also, pretty he, fun. he wasn't playing Peter Bill Venkman. Bill Murray, Chris Hemsworth. Like, it was a pretty fun movie. Like, it was fun. Yeah. He wasn't playing Venkman, and we want to see him play Peter Venkman. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the legacy of these characters have shaken out, but... Again, I'm not super excited. The, the first trailer was kind of a meh 
Yeah. Okay. It hit all the nostalgic buttons, but by the end of it, I was like, nah, okay. Yeah, it's so. weird. Ghostbusters is not a nostalgia thing, but for me, it, it, I mean, it's just all, all I'm saying, here nor there. I don't care a ton, but there's a movie coming out this summer with Paul Rudd and Bill Murray in it. There, yeah, there we go. Good. I'm, I'm going to go see that. No, no I mean, I'm definitely going to go see this. You you had me at the original Ghostbusters coming back. I'm going to go see this. But uh, that's good news. We can leave it at that. Bill Murray's coming back for Ghostbusters. Great. Moving right along from movies to Star Wars. We got the trailer this week uh, for the final season of Clone Wars, the animated series um, that has kind of grown into a cult hit animated series over many, many years because yes. it wasn't popular when it first came out. I can tell you that much. No. Nope. But over the years, and people like me incessantly telling other Star Wars fans, you got to watch the animated series. You got to watch the animated series has paid off. First, Netflix gave us the kind of unfinished uh, season six that Dave Filoni kind of planned. Now we're getting a full fledged season seven, and this trailer was awesome. Like, this it was is so good. One of the best Star Wars kind of trailers I've seen, and it makes season seven of the Clone Wars every kind of everything we've wanted. And it looks almost funny enough like a hodgepodge collection of plot hole fillers. Yeah, it's like, yeah, here's what we're gonna get. We're going to get more of Darth Maul's crime syndicate days, like between the end of the Clone Wars and Rebels mm -hmm. and Solo and that mess that's there about when he kind of uh, was ahead of that group Crimson Dawn or whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. We're going to get that. We're going to get more backstory of the Jedi and them kind of suspecting Order 66, but it being too late and kind of their suspicions that allowed them to prepare and get ready for the original trilogy and A New Hope and all that stuff. We're going to get the war for Mandalore and the Mandalorians fighting against the Empire or against in the Republic before they fall and become. Find a, out what that purge is we keep yeah, hearing about. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get to see all of that. And of course, Darth Maul's back in it in a big way. Um, and Ahsoka Tano, obviously. Uh, yeah. Ahsoka Let's Tano. get into Ahsoka Tano because Man. it's blowing up on uh, the interwebs right now. Some people yeah. weren't happy about the big Ooh, climactic no. tease of Ahsoka Tano taking on Darth Maul. Um, that rubbed some Star Wars troll singular the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> oh. That troll made a video. I'm not going to shout out that video. Kind of cursing Dave Filoni, the creator of the whole kind of Star Wars animated brand, and saying, kind of bad-mouthing Ahsoka Tano and saying, like, you know, if Darth Maul, she can't face Darth Maul, if Obi-Wan can't beat Darth Maul, and blah, 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 like all that stuff. Like, first of all, Obi-Wan and Phantom Menace and Sokotano and the Clone Wars are not even comparable. Like, one's Absolutely way not. more advanced than the other. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Don't so, come for a Sokotano. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of said that it was Dave Filoni's kind of pet creation. George Lucas created a Sokotano. Let's all be clear about that. Yeah. It was something he made for his two daughters because he wanted Star Wars to have a female Jedi protagonist that they could identify with. Yeah. And so... Not in the movie. Huh? But not in the movie. But not in the movie. No. <laughs> no. No. But I mean, in the movie, I get why not. I know, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I love it. It would have been Tom. like just her showing up in some random scenes and then being like, who yeah. is this person? She would have been a Boba Fett. Yeah. I mean, would she's have had a pretty... much bigger, better life in the yeah. Clone Wars series than. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I wish cute. that when he came up with the, the prequel series ahead of time, like, because that was before yeah. the Clone Wars, he would have just made a Sokotana character in the prequels. Yeah, that but that's see, again, but that's the whole thing about the prequels that when we could get lost in that discussion yeah. about where mm -hmm. about why the angle of attack on the prequels was kind of wrong in Phantom yeah. Menace, you didn't need to start with Kid Anakin. No. Like we could have just started with a older Padawan Anakin and and but gone then from there. Cuz then you would see yeah. him be able to do things like have his own Padawan and stuff, but in those movies he's just a kid. Mm. 
who like comes yeah. up and by the end of very strange pace and revenge of the sith just skips over all that stuff and they have a convenient reason why ahsoka's of course not into revenge of the sith mm-hmm. because she gets kicked out of the order before all of that mm-hmm. goes down. yeah now Kof, um, you mentioned the prequels there's a couple of shots in the trailer where mm-hmm. it's a direct parallel from the third movie yeah do we see events from revenge of the sith get recreated in this season I mean, I think so. I would be surprised if we didn't. I and, and I don't know where. Like, I I don't know if there's going to be major episodes or if, like, at the end we'll mm-hmm. get the final kind of montage of connective tissue that mm-hmm. says, yeah, you know, we're moving from this series officially into what mm-hmm. happened then. Mm-hmm. In this. I, I'd, yeah. I'd really like to see them go past Revenge of the Sith. I mean, just for an episode or two. Obviously, most of the show is going to take place mm-hmm. during or before Revenge of the Sith. But I'd love to mm-hmm. see some post, you know. Mm-hmm. Episode. Yeah, I want to see some intercool in stuff, there. and I'm yeah. wondering if things like the Darth Maul versus Ahsoka Tano isn't intercool stuff. Yeah, like after Order, because Darth Maul in the trailer hints knows that Order sixty six and all this big shift is going to come. Mm-hmm. He's beginning to sense it, um, and it wouldn't be surprising if in the midst of that chaos is where he shows up and begins to make yeah. the power grab that we see in Solo and become a crime lord and, yeah. and grab all that for himself. Yeah, and having to face Ahsoka. Which we know is not going to kill either of them. Everybody chill out. They both show up yeah, in Rebels. In rebels. Yeah, they're Rebels. Everyone forgets like, Rebels yeah. exists. There's a huge arc in Rebels in the Sith Temple uh, with Ahsoka mm-hmm. and Kanan and Ezra and Maul and eventually Darth Vader showing up. Yeah, it gets and crazy. So, yeah, it gets pretty crazy. So we know this is just not the end of the story for either of them. This is just a pivotal yeah. battle they had. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised as, as if Charlie said, this is going to be after Revenge of the Sith. I think this, this could finally take this and connect it fully with Rebels, yeah. kind of yeah. lead up to the yeah, beginning Yeah, it's going to have that full connective tissue exactly. by that finale. It was, I feel like there's going to be like some very direct lead-ins yeah. into Rebels. I wouldn't Rebel. be surprised if, it, yeah. if it's like a near, if Order 66 and Revenge of the Sith is like near the end of the season. Yeah. There's an episode or two that goes beyond that. So Yeah, yeah, there will be some serious that. Hoping for that. But Clone Wars, yo, we've told you. We've put together viewing guides. We've done everything. But if you're still yeah. sleeping on Clone Wars, it's time to wake up. Go watch check it. that out. Yeah. Like, watch it. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we are going to get into our uh, specific vertical reviews. Me and Chica. Oh, Chica's my. Chica's, uh, <laughs> you're having a great day, man. Yeah, I know. Chica's you're my little it. brother. That's not random. That's my little brother. Uh, but Charlie, you're not my little brother. Me and Charlie are going to do movies. Megan's going to do anime. Connor's going to do wrestling. I'm just going to try to talk. So stay tuned for all of that. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, back again. So... Hopefully we can keep the Freudian slips nice and safe for work during this last segment. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
as I said, Charlie and I, not my little brother, but Charlie and I went out to see The Gentleman, Guy Ritchie's new film that's coming in kind of flying under the radar, I would say, but uh, has a kind of big stacked cast. It has Matthew McConaughey, uh, Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy, Henry Golding from uh, Last Christmas and the other stuff he's been in, and uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Soon to be Snake Eyes. What's up? Soon to be Snake Eyes. Yeah, soon to be Snake Eyes and a G.I. Joe spinoff. Um, yeah, so it's this kind of collection, and this is a very much a Guy Ritchie throwback film in a lot of ways. There are some changes, as Charlie, I'm sure, will discuss, but this is very much in the vein of his early work, like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoky Barrels. It takes place, it's about the kind of uh, English underworld, the you know, the London underworld, and Matthew McConaughey plays this kind of American boy who was raised in Europe and becomes the biggest pot dealer of of high-grade marijuana in there using all these secret techniques he has. And he wants to get out of the business and retire, and he's trying to sell it off to this other kind of guy who's a gangster, but very much a corporate kind of gangster. Um, and it's about the hijinks and the problems that ensue over the course of him trying to get this deal done. And, of course, things go sideways in some pretty big ways. Uh, and the gentleman, like I said, is throwback guy Richie in the sense that it's much more scaled down than a lot of his films have been. It, I mean, it's not like Aladdin or or uh, King Arthur or Sherlock Holmes, those big, big productions where, you know, arguably, it's arguably like our Guy Ritchie's kind of hard-boiled, kind of talky, kind of kinetic visual style got lost in some of those bigger, kind of traditional, big blockbuster set-piece productions. Um, but this kind of scales it back down again. This is, I would argue, his very his most Tarantino-esque film in the sense that it's a lot of just scene-by-scene scene kind of conversations between people, character interaction, and that's what makes it work. So if you're helping for like shootouts and action and a whole bunch of gangster-ish, like that's not this movie a lot of the time. There are those parts in it, um, but it's not that a lot of the time. It, it's literally... Hugh Grant. Oh, I forgot Hugh Grant. Like Hugh Grant in. You, you forgot the two best ones. Hugh Grant. Yeah, and Colin I was going building up to them. Okay. But Hugh, the two standouts in the movie are Hugh Grant as this kind of trashy tabloid reporter, and and um, Colin Farrell as he's not quite a gangster. He's kind of a gang. He's like a part-time gangster, part-time <laughs> gym trainer who's like very much a mentor to like young kind of you know criminal boys from the streets. That he's kind of a. He's like a artful dodger or whatever that guy is in Oliver Twist who just kind of scoops up street rats and then teaches them how to box and also teaches them how to do crime, kind of. Yes. Um, and so he's, I mean, Colin Farrell steals this movie every time he's on screen, mm -hmm. but Hugh Grant is also wonderful. And everybody, is, it's a great ensemble, but like I said, the kind of joy of it is just how crazy, and some of these characters are weird and kind of very quirky and unusual gangster characters, and how they just interact and all the kind of scenes together they do. I liked it. I liked throwback Guy Ritchie. I found it was a nice scaled down, kind of slower, but kind of back to the core of what makes him great. And so I enjoyed it. Charlie feels slightly differently. I mean, I, I feel similarly. I, I feel like I think in the details, I, I have some disagreements, and I don't think I was quite as high on it as you. But I still, I still really liked it. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I like Guy Ritchie movies, and he had that weird trajectory, like you talked about, where he started with these really underground, low budget thriller. You know. Uh, lower class movies. You know, you had, you had Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. You had Snatch, which is probably his most memorable movie because Brad Pitt and Snatch. Colin Farrell in this movie is the best Guy Ritchie character since Brad Pitt and Snatch. Yeah, that's um, a, that's a, You know, Revolver and Rock and Rollo were all in that same vein. And then he kind of moved into the bigger things, which, 
you know, you had uh, the Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr., which I, I think are actually pretty good. That was a good transition for him. He kind of took some of his style to those, but they were bigger. And then Man from Uncle is pretty good, um, but that you really oh, saw him that, moving yeah. away from his style. And then he goes into King Arthur and Aladdin. And it's these big budget things, which King Arthur was a total flop, even though I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, um, And then Aladdin was a major success, but critically wasn't the most acclaimed film. And so this is him, like you said, getting back to his style. And I think it's, there's a difference in his original movies in this, I think, uh, and that's where it falters a bit, is this focuses so much on, you know, McConaughey plays a very rich uh, drug lord in this, a you know, marijuana kingpin in England. And uh, it really focuses on these these rich drug overlords that have all this money that are kind of shuffling around this game while McConaughey's trying to get out. These other ones are trying to kind of jump in and take his place. And it feels very odd and very, it kind of off when Guy Ritchie is writing these rich characters because that's, it, he's, you can tell he's not at home doing that. And I think a lot of the dialogue and the characterization with McConaughey a little bit, but mostly with Jeremy Strong and uh, Henry Golding's characters, um, I feel like he, he really missed on a lot of waves with them. But when he went back to his roots in this movie and when he went into the streets and into the slums and to the lower and dealt with the lower class and these people that were trying to fight and make their, you know, make it up the ladder, like all of his old movies, I think this movie really shined. That's what Colin Farrell and uh, the toddlers were the group of, of guys, um, the, the boxers that worked with him, which I think the guy from legends of tomorrow was one of them. Yeah. Friends um, drama. Yeah. But... Friends drama. And uh, they had these little rap videos and stuff and they, every time they were on screen, was amazing. And I think that Charlie Hunnam played well off of them kind of being like the straight man. You know, he was the enforcer and the right hand kind of bodyguard for, uh, for McConaughey. And I think him as the central focus really worked. But when you got into the upper levels of, of the crime world, I think it really kind of teetered off and he had so much going on, so many different stories. He was really playing with, uh, ways to tell a story and, and kind of the narrative structure, which is very Tarantino esque, you know, uh, not, nothing was linear about it, but, um, he really found his footing at the end. I think the third act is very good. Even though there was way too much going on, he kind of brings it all to a close really well. And because the third act, we see a lot more of Colin Farrell and his boxers. Um, and they're really good. And Colin Farrell with Charlie Hunnam is a really, they play off each other really well. Um, so all in all, I, I think it was really fun. It, it left something to be desired for me. It wasn't like a top tier Guy Ritchie movie, but it definitely is a step back in the right direction uh, for him. See, in like his crime saga, London crime saga movies, I would say my favorites are still Lockstock, Snatch, but I would put this above Rock and Roller. Like I like mm -hmm. this more than I like Rock and Roller. Yeah, it's, it's Snatch, Snatch is still, I think, I mean, any Guy Ritchie fan, I think you'll debate Lockstock or Snatch for which one you like the best. I mean, because I personally, you know, I like Snatch a lot. But this is definitely, this is a great addition to his pantheon, um, you know, to his his roster of films and I'm, I'm looking forward to see him take this idea and, and move on with it and, and go do something else kind of in his wheelhouse. And just for context, and we're going to end here. I also think there's a element of this movie that's very much in vein with, uh, the end of the world or the world's end, uh, that end of the ice cream okay. and whatever. The Cornetto, Cornetto, trilogy. Trilogy. Yeah, Cornetto trilogy. Um, that movie is about kind of how England is changing. Uh, it was about pub culture and like what pub culture used to be when these guys were kids versus like the kind of homogenized, you know, franchise pubs that have popped up in England. Accidentally wound up being about Brexit before, yeah, a couple before years Brexit, before it was an before issue. It was about, yeah, before Brexit was a thing. And this one's kind of about that. So like the discrepancy in the characters that Charlie's describing, they have to do with not just class, but like time, mm -hmm. like a big 
thing about this movie is McConaughey's character is getting out because he realizes that when marijuana becomes legal, like there's a whole new class of gangster that he can't belong to. So Jeremy Strong's character is like, like I said, the corporate gangster. He's the guy who's fit for that new age of knowing business and 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 not coming from like a criminal underworld. Whereas McConaughey's character is like, yeah, my breed's dying and I'm not going to be welcomed into this new world. And so I'm getting out of here. Yeah, it, it was and it's kind of very a much guy generational too. conflict. And Henry Golding's yeah. character is all about that in a very visceral way about, you mm -hmm. know, he's part of this Asian mob and and he's a young kind of impatient millennial type. Who's so just like, that's yeah. how that family and crazy rich Asians was so wealthy. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> that's a good sense. one. All right, well, we we'll go. stop it there and uh, move on. Because that's our bit. Now it's time for uh, Megan and Connor to shine. So, Megan, you got to run us through uh, our latest What's Happening, the State of Anime address. And Connor's going to give you guys a preview of what's going on in WWE's Royal Rumble. Take it away, Megan. Yeah, so we're doing the State of the Anime Union. It is 2020. It's a new year. I have a card because so much has happened in the last like week since I was talking with you all. I mean, to start things off first, if you've been paying attention to pop culture, Netflix just announced there's going to be an anime for The Witcher. So The, the Witcher, Witcher I'm, there have been plenty of discussions about that on this podcast already with Matt uh, um, Aguilar being one of the number one fans of uh, that gaming franchise and also the live action TV series. So now they're going to be doing a uh, anime film and basically it's going to follow the universe created by Netflix. The live action series is going to explore more of that um, universe has been created the same kind of executive team, the showrunners that were working on the live action Witcher series are going to be heavily involved with this anime film. They've had to keep it secret for about a year so far. Um, so that's really interesting. And I'm very excited personally from an animation standpoint because the people who are doing this film is Studio Mir. And they are the people who did Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, Voltron, um, Legendary Defender. So this is a vetted animation studio. They are so good. They really do the um, kind of anime-inspired Western animation really well. So I'm very excited to see how that's going to shake out. Um, it's supposed to be coming out um, later this year, so we can keep an eye on that. Then we still have Fallout from Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. I know Connor here is playing it. You're Where are you at with that? I'm at Namek Saga right now. So All right. So gotten the feel for it. Now mm -hmm. I'm trying to actually get good at it. Yeah, yeah, that's the hard part. It's right after I've beaten Frieza. And so after you beat Frieza, that's when you like <sighs> I feel like you really get a handle on the gameplay mechanics. Um it's really good. There's been a lot of really interesting Goku like filler history gaps in this game, which they couldn't fit into the anime. But arguably the bigger Dragon Ball news happening right now is the new Dragon Ball Super chapter. Um, I know I've read it. Kofi's read it. Yep. Um, it goes like full blown back Dragon Ball Z nostalgia. Like it felt so good seeing the Z fighters stand in a line again. Goku and Vegeta are late as always. So you got to give them a little bit of time. They like to make their dramatic entrance. But like, Yamcha, Krillin, Tianchen, like they're all back and they're so good. And Yamcha's not like a joke for once. Like he's actually like so far. G give it a chapter. So far, he's doing really well. Like it feels like such great nostalgia. Justice for Yamcha. Yeah, like seriously, it feels so good. It feels like you're watching like the Saiyan saga again. Like you 
like Napa's coming or like something's about to happen. Like it feels like that really good nostalgia. So if you're not caught up with the Dragon Ball Super Manga, you can read it for free on Viz Media, um, the last chapters, or you can get a subscription for like super cheap a year to read as much manga as you want from them online. Um, the last two updates that we have one, My Hero Academia. I will talk about that show whenever I get the chance. <laughs> so good. Um, it's fourth season has just ended its first story arc. So this weekend we will get a new episode and it will begin what's technically called the second core of the season. It's going to start the cultural festival arc, which is going to basically be a breather from the last episode of My Hero Academia, because if you've seen it, this is a big spoiler alert. alert so if you're watching season four and you've not finished this whole overhaul arc, like Sir Knight Eye dead. <laughs> like he's like, that was horrifying. Like that was so upsetting. Overhaul like did not have a great ending with him and like pro heroes are dying. Like it's getting dark. This is going to be a little bit lighter, but we'll have some interesting um, new media villains to deal with. Plus, My Hero Academia Hero Rising, the second film of the anime, is going to be coming into theaters uh, in February. It's going to be February 26th, I believe, um, under Funimation, so you can catch that in theaters. And to end things, for my Digimon crew, I know we don't talk about Digimon a lot on this podcast, but we're getting a Digimon reboot. All right, let's absolutely no one cares here, but no, it's Rich like she's been fist pumping from the booth. He's over fist, there in the booth, right, like yeah, fist okay, pumping away. Yeah, Richard is like freaking out. So, Richard, for you and anyone else listening to this who really love Digimon, uh, yeah, it's going to be a reboot. It's going to be coming out uh, later this year. It's basically taking Digimon Adventure, the original anime that most people watched, you know, with Taichi, Matt, uh, Agumon, those original characters that we met. Um, and it's rebooting the anime. So it's going to take place when they're in fifth grade again. It's their first entrance into the digital world. Brand new animation style. So it's kind of bringing back the original Digimon cast for a new generation. So that's going to be coming out uh, shortly after the next Digimon Adventure movie comes to theaters in America. It's called Digimon Last Evolution. That follows Taichi, who will be in the reboot anime as a fifth grader. And the movie, though, it takes place when he's a young adult. He's in college. And supposedly, he's supposed to go on his last adventure with Agumon. So you can cry hysterically watching this film. And then a couple weeks later, you can watch the reboot and see Taichi as a fifth grader. Now, say, right. say that you either never watched Digimon or you definitely watched Digimon as a kid and mm -hmm. don't remember anything about it because it's been... 20 years. Probably multiple decades. Yes. Um, this show... Mm. Is this a is this a place to start again, or do you have to go watch these other things to kind of understand what they're going to be saying, or is it going to yeah. totally reboot? It'll be totally reboot. So okay. like you can come in new. So if you've never seen it, you've only seen a little bit, you saw all of it and you've forgotten it, or you've seen all of it and you remember it, this will just be a reboot. Now some things may change in the series as opposed to, but it's going to start fresh from the beginning, the same characters, um, but it's just going to be kind of like a total total reboot. Have they indicated if it's going to be like? Okay, we're gonna start with Devimon and then do my oldest Mon's arc. Like, are we are we doing all that stuff again? I mean, we haven't gotten into the nitty-gritty of the arc so far. We know that the reboot will take place before the digital world has been discovered by anybody. Digivices are not known. Nobody knows any of that. Uh, the weird time loops are starting to happen throughout Odaiba City and Tokyo. Um, so that's when we start the first episode, it'll likely end with Taichi entering the digital world and discovering that. 
his world and his universe is no longer what he thought it was. And Agumon hopefully will appear. So it's very much going to be from that very beginning. And, you know, that whole cast of characters getting used to what Digimon are, Digievolutions, all of that stuff. Um, hopefully we'll be able to get those arcs that we're used to, like you mentioned. Um, but there are probably going to be a little bit of twists and changes to it moving forward. So I'm pretty excited. I'm excited for a whole new generation of people saying that this just ripped off Pokemon. I know. It's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but either way, we got to keep that podcast going, too. So, a little Digimon in your Pokemon podcast. Why not? (laughs) All right, moving right along. To end things today, we're going to help out Mr. Matthew Aguilar. And uh, like I said, we have a rundown of comics for you guys because Matt didn't want you to go and end season one on a bad Has Connor not getting his rest? Kofi? Oh my God! I skipped you in wrestling. Hi. Hi. Oh man, you guys were talking forever. I, I like. I must have dozed out. All right. Well, we're gonna skip wrestling on this show. No, I'm just kidding. We have it in the background. You put me on the. It's couch. in the background and the title. I we know. It's literally it. so. Right there. Do your thing. Tell us about your latest in man slapping. Okay. Man slapping. Gee, thanks, Cole. All right. So needs to be called that from now on. <laughs> Oh, we've been calling it greased up man slapping since this show began. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Like since episode six when I when I debuted. When it first appeared. Gotcha. But uh, yeah. no, in all seriousness, Connor, tell us what's going on with the Royal so, Rumble. So the Royal Rumble, for those who don't know, is kind of the start of WrestleMania season. It starts from now, goes up till early April when you have the, the biggest show of the year. And the Rumble is centered around what is now two matches. Uh, both have 30 wrestlers in them. Uh, whoever wins it, gets a world championship match at WrestleMania. So whoever wins this kind of shapes the direction of what the next few months are going to look like. Um, Since you've got two world champions now and you've got a second rumble that has 30 women competing in it, uh, it's kind of a toss up as to who might win. You you think you might have a good idea, but then they can go, oh, we'll just pick whoever the other guy is going to defend their title against. So everyone is pretty sure that we're going to see Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania 36. Now, does that mean Roman's going to win on Sunday? Not necessarily, because Brock Lesnar's got his championship running around, and he needs somebody to fight that night, too. So my guess is if Roman doesn't win that match, it's going to be whoever is lined up to fight Brock. Uh, There's rumors that we're going to get another Cain Velasquez match. Uh, hearkening back to their days in the UFC together. Charlie gave me a frown there. That's I'm just I don't know who Cain Velasquez is. Uh, you, <laughs> fair. Uh, UFC heavyweight champion from like 2010. Beat Lesnar for gotcha. the title. Um, and they played into that history late last year in a match that lasts about two minutes. It was terrible. I don't want to see it again. Um, <laughs> my pick for who I want to win is a guy named Drew McIntyre. Big six foot five Scottish guy who has actually been given some time to uh, show off his personality lately. And uh, has a lot of potential. Over on the women's side, uh, you've got uh, Shayna Baszler is probably the front runner to win the women's. Uh, also, Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks are front, are second and third on most likely to win it. Um, elsewhere on the show, you've got what is it? Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin in a Falls Can Anywhere match. This is in a baseball stadium. This is where the show's happening. So pretty good guess is that they're going to be fighting in the ring, and then they're going to start punching each other all around the baseball stadium. And I think they could have some fun with that. Uh, there's also going to be a match between The Fiend and Daniel Bryan. The stipulation is it is a strap match. As when you take a big old leather strap, you tie it to one guy's wrist, you tie it to the other guy's wrist, and then you fight. <laughs> and the funny thing about this match is it always sounds like it's going to be fun. 
I have never seen a good strat match. They have always looked bad. They have always looked clunky and kind of just hinder how people can move. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they can do something to change my mind. These two guys are really good. Mm. So could be fun. Well, I have absolutely zero idea about what you said. I know nothing of wrestling, <laughs> but I've taken two things away from this discussion. I have two takeaways too. One, I'm voting for the Scottish guy simply for the fact he's Scottish. Two, this just sounds like an anime. <laughs> and I'm really like, is. I'm like deeply interested it in totally watching is. this. It totally is. There's now. a reason that like there is Japanese anime just based on wrestling. Like they this just, is just 900% an episode the same of Dragon fight Ball. from last week. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. All yeah. right. This is all good, revelatory. Thank you, Connor. Yeah. But uh, before we analyze wrestling, we got to read comics and close out season one. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. So Matthew Aguilar read left left his list of comics, which I'm not good at talking no good right now. But I'm going to try to talk my good way through good doing this. Okay. Mm-hmm. You still with me? All yes. right. So releasing this week are X Men's Marauders. And that is Marauders number six. And Matt says, Marauders ends its first arc with a bang, and Duggan has truly captured the essence of Kate Pride and Sebastian Shaw. Truthfully, the Hellfire Club hasn't been this interesting in years. Next, we have Far Sector number three. And Matt says, Far Sector shows how sleek and and inventive the Green Lanterns can be and offers a modern alternative to the more vintage-feeling of Morrison's GL series. If you're looking for a breakdown of the, on the original version of Huntress, look no further than Huntress Origins Trade Paperback, though Matt prefers, personally prefers the Earth Prime version of Huntress. Once in Future number six proves why it's the coolest take on King Arthur at the moment, and Matt would easily recommend picking this up over X-Men's Excalibur any day of the week. Wow. Ouch. That's some shade. Uh, and of course he has to throw in a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers thing to close out the season. He can't, you know, not plug his thing. So this series is money at the moment, but not because of its villain, though those are cool too, but because of the internal dysfunction between the two teams of Power Rangers that are kind of come butting heads right now. So there, and in his larger list, he has Lumberjanes number 70, which he marks as so good. That was me. That was me who put that in. Okay, Megan put in so good. (laughs) Uh, Ether Volume 3, The Disappearance of Violet Bell, number 5. Batman 87, which continues uh, Tinian's run on it, which is, you know, not as good as City of Not Tom King. Not Tom King, exactly. Curse of the White Knight, which has been interesting. Birds of Prey, Giant, number 1. Got to plug that new movie. Far Sector, number 3. Wonder Woman, number 750. Red Sonja, Age of Chaos, 1. Ghostbusters Year One again. Got to plug those new movies. Old Gore, Old Guard Force Multiplied Number Two, Atlantis Attacks Number Six or Number One, Excalibur Number Six, which he includes begrudgingly. Guardians of the Galaxy Number One and Web of Venom: The Good Son Number One as well. So those are your comic recommendations from Mr. Matthew Aguilar. Yes. All right, that'll do it for season one of Comic Book Nation. If you somehow just stumbled into the show for this episode 100, we put out new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday on comicbook.com, and that will not change. There you can go to the articles and subscribe to our RSS feed and get regular updates about new episodes to the show, or you can subscribe subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, or you can go to YouTube, comicbook.com YouTube page and find videos of each episode there. If you want to continue the discussion with us or let us know how many times I messed up saying something, just go to the hashtag comicbooknation. And if you want to just yell at me directly, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. 
If you want to find me to talk about the state of the Anime Union address, it is at Twitter, at MeganPeterCB. And if you want to follow coverage on Royal Rumble this Sunday, you can follow me at Connor Casey underscore CB. And Charlie, you can shout yours out from the corner. Yeah, over there. you can talk to me about anything because I just <laughs> I like to talk and I want attention. So at Charlie Ridgely on Twitter. There you go. It's keeping it honest. That'll do it. As we said, I want to say thank you to everyone who has tuned in to uh, make season one of this show what it is. Oh, man, do I have time to, like, shout out? I think I have a couple seconds I can shout out some of you. I want to shout out some of our regulars. I want to shout out uh, Joseph Duda. I want to shout out, oh, man, I'm going to bomb at this again. Wow, we're going. Brian Taylor has been in there a lot. Uh, My girl, Christine, you've been in here a lot, kind of holding us down. Oh, Claude. Oh, man, these comments are not cooperating. (laughs) Everybody, I'm not going to go down this list too long. All of you, you know who you regulars are. I want to thank you guys for always tuning in, always supporting us, telling all your friends to kind of tune into the show. Um, Marv Smoove, I got to shout him out. He's held down Instagram longer than I have promoting each episode (laughs) of this show. There's so many people to thank. I want to thank all... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's to Kofi Outlaw. Oh, yeah, me, that guy. <laughs> and, we have and, to get and, and we The guy who don't talk no good. And we can't forget Matt. He's not here today. Yeah, no, you two are the backbone of the show. He's got enough praise. Matt Aguilar's got <laughs> enough praise. So we want to hey, thank Matt Aguilar. we're trying to, like, boost your ego here. Yeah, because he's done, I mean, Matt Aguilar held us down with all of this geek knowledge he has, and uh, I appreciate an that. And uh, Janelle Wheeler for jumping in the middle of this crazy thing and really holding it down for us. BD, wherever he is right now, for always bringing back big (laughs) scoops and things to talk about with us. The whole comic book staff, all our experts on everything that kind of helped me not have to talk because we know that's a disaster in the making whenever (laughs) I have to talk (laughs) too long. So everyone, producers, our bosses at CBS for not canceling us or firing us quite yet and giving (laughs) us the season two green light. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, I guess, I guess I should do it on black. I should say God above and all that. Yeah. We got to throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For just getting us here and keeping this thing going. So thank you. Season one, comic book nation. That's it. This is a wrap. We're out. Deuces. Deuces.